Hello, my name is Taylor Clement, and I'm the head of school at Kirk Day School. And I'm Maria Massey, the assistant head of school at Kirk Day School. And if we sound a little bit distant, uh, that's because uh, we are definitely not at the same place. We are practicing our social distancing right now as we are in week two of our interim distance learning at Kirk Day School. Uh, but we wanted to continue with the podcast because there's a lot going on in our world and a lot that we feel like um, is worthy to talk about. And uh, later in this podcast, we're going to have Dr. Leo Shu, a KDS parent, but also a uh, well-known physician in our area for uh, the Barnes Jewish uh, Hospital Network with WashU, and uh, he's going to join us to talk a little bit more uh, medically. But first, Maria, how are you and your family doing right now as you guys have been now at home for at least a week? Yeah, yeah. We uh, started the solid kind of quarantine uh, when the, the stay-at-home order went into effect. Um, up until then, I was I was still out and about and working a little bit here and there. Um, my husband does, he is part of the essential workforce. So um, he's still going going out to work five, five days a week. Um, but we're, we're doing okay. You know, the, the weather turning helps. Um, I feel like that probably, I mean, dramatically changed my mood as well as my um, two kids. And so being able to be outside has helped. But you know, it's interesting what becomes important um, when you're quarantined. Uh, we have, yeah, it just changes priorities. It changes uh, your day and your your structure. And so some of it has definitely been an adjustment for me, you know, going from being a, a working mom of two to um, not a non-working mom, but just a very different type of working mom. So, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's it's definitely there. There's a ton of pros and cons to it. I, I love the fact that my office is about ten feet away. I mean, I definitely miss the, the people interaction and things like that. But it's it's just different. Um, there's there's a sweetness to it right now that I'm trying to enjoy. But yeah, it's different, right? It is different. Yeah. So what are you guys doing as you guys pass the time? That's kind of the million dollar question today. Uh, right well um yeah so tucker's learning how to walk so that has been like probably the biggest uh thing that we've watched and rooted for daily as he's like started to take more and more steps on his own so that's been super fun yeah super fun uh we did some you know Play-Doh, making Play-Doh. Uh, since the weather's turned, we have really, I just let the kids roll around in the dirt outside. Yeah. And that, I mean, we have a really, you know, nice backyard that's fenced in and bubbles and cars are like Millie's favorite things to do. Oh, that's awesome. So, yeah. So we've been doing lots of bubbles and cars. Uh, and, and then I, as you know, once they go down, um, just making my way through some Netflix and and Showtime um, series. So without Cardinals baseball, it's really hard uh, to stay entertained. Uh, but thankfully, Netflix has helped and Showtime uh, has helped. So, well, I know in yeah. our family, um, Disney's early release of Frozen Two has been kind of an amazing thing. Um, I have. Uh, I've listened to that soundtrack and now watched that movie about 10 different times, it feels like. 
our kids are actually on a pretty decent schedule right now. My son is who's in kindergarten does a great job with kind of thriving on this on a schedule, but um, at night when you know we kind of have family time, they're begging to watch Frozen two, and <laughs> I uh, I'm very familiar with that story now. <laughs> what can I say? <laughs> um, but then at night, yeah, uh, we've been watching uh, Netflix and things like that, but we've been spending some time outside. It was really windy yesterday, and so we tried to fly fly kites, and we got one one really high, and, and that was a blast, and that just kind of went, but the, the weather changing has been uh, a real joy to have, um, especially when you kind of don't know what to expect, and, you, and it really lessens the seriousness of that stay-at-home order. Yeah, it makes it feel like you can breathe, because... Right. I mean, I know we can go to the grocery store and, and whatnot, but yeah, even just trying to minimize that. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I think one of the things that I have, and I knew this prior to this, but it's really coming head on. We have so much access to everything and, uh, we don't have that quick access like we did even, you know, three weeks ago. Right. You know, it's, it's taking five to six days to get an Instacart order. Um, yeah, my we wife ran woke out up of, at midnight the other night just to get her um, her Walmart order reserved. Yeah, yeah, we we ran out of uh, fruit pouches, which is like Uh-oh. part of how Millie stays alive. Um, and so we're waiting until the Sam's order comes today. Um, you know, so so yeah, uh-huh. those things have changed, and I think it's it's definitely made me realize how much I rely on that stuff that is good, but um, it do, it has put into perspective, I think, kind of what I'm thankful for. Um, and even in the midst of this outbreak, I mean, just, you know, thankful to have jobs, thankful to, to have family that at this point has not been... Um, at least impacted being sick. I do have some family that's on the front lines fighting it, but yeah, it's definitely put things into perspective. You know, one of the things that we have now explored and um, I would say done with some success was the fact that for the first time ever, uh, my wife cut my hair yesterday. (laughs) 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 And I, like, I go... I get my hair cut on a regular basis. I usually take Anderson with me. And where we go to get our hair cut is definitely shut down. And it's so funny. We were trying to, like, order stuff to get haircuts and everything. Katie's been watching YouTube videos. And I know for some that's a very common thing. But Katie was like, you're wanting me to do what now? And I was like, look, I've had some bad haircuts in my life. You're going to be just fine. And so she... she learned to do it and I think did it did a good job and I was like hey worst case is somebody sees me and I'm either wearing a ball cap or I'm pixelated so you know that's so funny but um I so she did she cut both her hair yesterday and did great but the funny thing is is even as we uh you know we were having to depend and and you miss the skill skill people who are doing things like that Mm -hmm. um you know and then things on Amazon you know just you know, we, we've been outside like we were talking about and it's kind of like, Oh, I want to order, you know, maybe some fertilizer for my yard or I want to order a plant or I want to do this. And we don't want to be so flippant just to run to home Depot, even though they're open. 
um, and just be like, yeah. well, we can take advantage and, and do that. But in the same sense, you know, if you order it on Amazon, well, it may not be here till, you know, 30, 60 days later because they're only yeah. focusing on those essentials right now. And so it's just fascinating uh, to see this societal shift. And, um, you know, one of the things that I think is, is been surprising, and I, I know I've talked with our faculty about this, and that is, you know, working from home seems to be like this, I would say, really dichotomous place of one hand, you're, oh, I'm at home, I'm spending time with my family. And on the other hand, it's like, no, there's always something to do, and I can turn into a workaholic. Mm-hmm. And I'm seeing that left and right, um, and it's 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 kind of scary in a, in, a, in a sense because instead of us being willing to slow down or even just you know turn the TV on to watch a Cardinals game, you can't do that right now. So um, if you're not into a Netflix series, what are you doing? And people are, frankly, there's a lot that are just working, and yeah. that's on one hand you're kind of like, hey, that's awesome. On the other hand, it's a little bit scary because you're going, yeah, we this should not be our lives. Yeah, and the advantage of, of going to a place of work is there's also just the mental, like, I'm in a different place. And when you work from home, that's not true, you know? Right. Like, and, and I've kind of set up an office downstairs in our basement, which has been helpful in even separating, like, okay, when I come down here, you know, I'm working. Um even though my kids do have some play stuff down here, but yeah, that's, it's, it's definitely harder to turn it on and turn it off. Um, yeah. because it's in that you're, you're physically in the same space. Yeah, no, no question. And that's what I've, I mean, I've done the same thing. I know a lot of, a lot of friends that have don't doing the basement home office. So, um, Maria, before we, before we get Dr. Shu on the line here, um, let's, let's talk about this for just a second. Um, how are you advising some of the parents that, that you interact with on talking about this pandemic, this lifestyle change that we've now had with children um, of varying ages, right? You have the, the littles who are kind of oblivious. I mean, my daughter's three. She thinks like, hey, dad's home. This is kind of cool. Um, mm-hmm. Versus... Mm-hmm. Anderson, who's a little bit more perceptive to then you've got kids. When we were uh, over spring break, we were around some some middle school and high schoolers, and and they were obviously much more perceptive in understanding what's going on. They were pretty pumped about not going to school. But outside of that, I mean, how how do you process this, both as an adult and then taking that down to to a child? It's a great question. Um... And it's challenging because not only for kids at different ages, but, you know, age is really just the number uh, to some degree. And so we also have to be aware that our children, one of our children may be more prone to anxiety and fear. And, and we have to be able to balance that. And, you know, the analogy that I give parents a lot is, is make sure that their suitcase can handle or their backpack can handle what you're going to tell them. Uh, I think oftentimes as parents, we feel the need to share, you know, we don't want to lie. And 
we want to share what we can with them, but we also have, and, and if they ask us something, we want to be able to provide an answer. Right. But I think we have to be willing to say, I, for your sake, you know, we're not going to dive deep into this specific thing, because if you know that that's going to send your child into an anxious panic, um, you can protect them from that. And they may want to know, and I understand them wanting to know, but not being afraid as a parent to say, I know that you want to know this, but please, like, trust me, and that I will tell you what you need to know. I think that's really important. Um, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. It is so hard to know, even for adults, like, kind of who to believe um, right. and what to believe. And so part of it is admitting to and saying, like, mom and dad are trying to figure this out. Like, we need to approach this in a humble way, too. And remember that in our child's uncertainty, like, we face that as an adult. And how do we, how do we deal with uncertainty in our life? We trust in, in, in the Lord's provision and, um, and sovereignty. And so even shifting the conversation to, like, hey, when I feel uncertain, this is, this is who I trust. I trust that the Lord has our best in mind. Um, and that he's not up there trying to figure out what to do. Right, right. And, and I think that's the, the, the part that is so hard right now is seeing this and kind of going, all right, Lord, where are you? Mm-hmm. What, are, what are you trying to tell us? And, mm-hmm. and how do we step in? I, I, you know, I, I grew up in a really Pentecostal um, town. Uh, I did, and it was it was um, sometimes it was kind of a beautiful thing, and other times it was it was a little bit uh, terrifying. But and the same when when you kind of look at this, you just have to ask God, what are you trying to say? Because the silence of God does not mean the absence of God. And mm-hmm. and looking at these things, we we do have to ask that question of God, where are you? What are you trying to say? And how are you moving in our hearts? And and it's not lost on me that this is happening during Lent. And it's not lost on me that, that the evil of the world, frankly, is coming into a time when more people are, are thinking religiously. And hopefully Christ can be, can, you know, come through the vagueness that religiosity is. But it's not lost on me that we're not going to be together on Easter. And that that's a yeah. tough thing. Yeah, it is. It is. And, you know, I was, uh, I was in sixth grade when 9-11 happened. And um, that I remember the way that my parents managed that and handled that. And, and I knew too much um, mm. for sixth grader. Part of that is because is I was in New York City about a month before. And so I had more knowledge of it. But, you know, I, that time still sticks out to me. And, and remembering that, that I was very fear driven at that point, like, um, and having fears that were not founded on any reality. And at that, you know, that's an opportunity, even if our children do tend towards that fear, to come in and, and, and use that as an opportunity to say, this is where we can trust God. Right. This is where we have a source of power 
and security like no one else like and and reminding them that there are people in this world people that that are telling you things or hearing things on tv that may not have that relationship with god and so so if you see them heightened it may be because you know they don't draw from that same sense of hope and security that we do um and and it's a powerful time to put that into practice. Yeah, Maria, great point um, about people who do not believe what we believe are the ones giving us the majority of information on our news circuits and news outlets, um, which is really a difficult thing. But now we get to bring in a KDS parent, Dr. Leo Shu, And uh, Leo is married to fifth grade teacher Nikki Shu, And he is also uh, the parent of three girls. Uh, one of which is a KDS graduate, Carissa, who's now at Westminster, but we also have Ellen and Charlie still at KDS. And so, Leo, welcome to our podcast, and thanks for taking the time out of your day to, to talk with us. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. Well, Leo, tell us first just kind of um, what you do uh, in the medical community uh, right now. Um, yeah, a lot of parents have probably seen me coming in in different uh, uniforms and outfits. Um, but yeah, we wear a lot of different hats. Uh, so I'm a, an ER physician by training, and I work for a company that staffs the majority of the community BJC hospitals, emergency departments, and hospital medicine. So it's about uh, it's like 13 or so hospitals uh, cover everywhere from uh, Capital Region in Jeff City. Boone Hospital in Columbia, North County, Southern Illinois. We have three hospitals there. And then I'm also uh, a lot of EMS medical direction. So for fire departments um, and um, EMS, uh, so in St. Charles County, uh, EMS there, 10 fire departments, dispatch, 911 services. Also in Southern Illinois, so spanning anywhere from Alton to East St. Louis. Um, and then all the way down south to uh, in uh, Sullivan, Missouri, as well. Wow, that's uh, that's <laughs> Leo. That's a lot, man. Um, and yeah, yeah. And uh, so uh, one thing before we go on, because we do have some questions, but but one of the things that uh, I think is important to note about Leo is he is. Uh, number one, uh, he has an MDiv, uh, and is and that's from Covenant Seminary, which is Master of Divinity. And then he's also an elder in the PCA. And so, you know, Leo is a, a believer. Uh, he's a believer in Jesus Christ. And um, as we go through so much of getting information from various government outlets or um, just different things, um, we we do have a lot of, of questions, I think. But Leo, help us put that Christian worldview on this right now. Um, is, is what we're seeing just kind of locally and nationally and uh, everything else. And, and that's part of why we wanted you here. But I guess, um, so kind of to start, um, what makes this illness different than other illnesses? What makes COVID-19 so dangerous? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, uh, I was serving as an elder and started taking classes at, at Covenant and ended up finishing the degree um, because I saw the way the, the classes, I was able to apply to uh, just common things that were coming up with people in our congregation. Um, and um, Restoration Community Church, which is uh, one of our PCA churches, um, 
this is located in Maryland Heights, but we brought people from everywhere from St. Louis City to St. Charles, South County, really kind of everywhere. Um, but uh, now coming at it from uh, another angle from the medical side, uh, as I uh, oversee a lot of um, hospitals, EMS across the region, it's, it's something that's very different in that, you know, it's not typical where, you know, folks know that in the medical field, but where really healthcare crisis is impacting everything from mm-hmm. um, not only EMS 911 hospitals, but obviously we're seeing it uh, in the churches. So doing these things that I never thought would, would really happen, you know, with virtual uh, services uh, to kind of just even thinking about how do we care for a vulnerable population um, mm. within our congregation to obviously school, you know, my right. uh, Charlie's sitting over here doing uh, uh, school with uh, every uh, via, via the computer and the two other girls are also uh, doing virtual school. So it's, it's really impacted everything. And the thing that's very different is just that this is um, a pandemic that truly we don't see for um, like a hundred years. Uh, it's a novel virus that is really overwhelming our healthcare systems across the world. So the sheer mass of just it all kind of happening at the same time is what makes it a little different. That it's spread yeah. quickly, that, that type of thing. Yeah, it's, you know, we see influenza, obviously, typically every year. And um, even with influenza, it can often overwhelm our, our healthcare system, even the U.S., where it's not an uncommon event that when influenza really hits, uh, that when patients come in, whether they're, they have influenza or not, that uh, if they're critically ill, it can be very difficult to get a patient into an ICU. Mm-hmm. have the beds or the beds. So that's just sort of, you know, normal influenza. Then we get hit with something that is a novel virus and uh, the not only the sheer numbers, but uh, and I think everyone's probably seen these curves, just uh, how quickly it comes. Uh, you know, we see this in New York City and New Orleans and in Seattle and just seeing the, the rise of that flow, uh, the amount that comes in all at the same time. Uh, it just quickly outpaces our capacity to take care of patients. What, how are we seeing it? You know, you mentioned the hot spots here in America. Um, how has it been different for us in the U.S. than maybe other nations? Are we seeing differences between us and other nations at all? Or it's kind of hard to tell sometimes um, from watching the news, you know, what, what the latest information is. Yeah, I, you know, it's um, it that that's a great question, and I think that um, we we don't really know um, some of our just the way our healthcare system and government and infrastructure, uh, you know, it, it sort of highlights our strengths and weaknesses. You know, um, we're a very fractured society. Uh, healthcare systems refractured. Even to give you an example, even trying to uh, make changes on the 911 side um, in terms of how do we alert uh, first responders that a patient might have be positive for COVID, it's it's really all over the place. <laughs> so 
managing all these different dispatch centers and try to get um, something standardized is actually very difficult. Um, trying to find out the number of events we actually have available and uh, PPE, so you know, masks, um, shields, things like that. Um, it becomes very hard to even just know actually what is in the moment the uh, uh, how to address the problem, and that's very difficult in the United States. So Leo, I, I heard um, the I guess on Saturday I was uh, on a call with with some gentlemen from church, and uh, one of them was a doctor at BJC, and he had mentioned that. Um, it's almost like weather patterns, you know, when, when we're kind of getting ready for yeah. snow, we see different models. There's a European model, there's a North American model. And so one right. will say two inches of snow, one will say 15 inches of snow. And then our right. meteorologists kind of try to determine. Um, and he was saying that there's been a lot of sensationalism on these higher models and that we need mm -hmm. to kind of, um, and, and even very, very reputable institutions are putting out models with, with less numbers but they're not being reported on. Um, and uh, I, I didn't know if you could comment on that just because that was kind of new to me um, because everybody's saying, well, you know, this news outlet says one thing because they're conservative. This one says another because they're liberal and we kind of can't trust it. Yeah. And so what, what are right. you kind of seeing amidst those models that are being reported? Yeah, it's, it's tough, right? Cause uh, it is, it is forecasting and, it, and it's really, Part of the issue too is right. Like if we do this mitigation and social distancing well, it means that the numbers are less. And so it kind of feeds this. Well, well, why are we doing this if the numbers aren't really as high as um, we're thinking? But then, does that mean that it's actually working, or does it mean that um, we didn't have to take these, these more extreme measures? I think one way to think about it too is looking at. Um, not just the total numbers, because that can really vary depending on how much testing we have available, available but look at um, the actual critical patients and, and deaths that we're seeing. And that is something we are seeing uh, on the rise. So talking to New York City colleagues, uh, New Orleans, Seattle, um, they are seeing things that are not typical for influenza and things like that, where for example, when you when patients are critically ill and they need to be put on a ventilator, uh, that's not a, a common event. It happens, but um, you know, uh, you know of colleagues that they are having to do this, you know, one two times an hour, uh, wow. very high high rate, mm -hmm. uh, and we are already starting to see that here in St. Louis, where um, you know we can look at the total numbers, but when you actually look at the critical patients. Um, you know, the number of events were already, uh, you know, I, I can tell you um, locally, at least one hospital, they're already at a, at a critical um, time where they, they're at events. So uh, that's something is, you know, that's a real number and problem. And uh, most certainly this next week or two is going to be really critical for, for, our, for our area. Mm. So, Leo, I think that, yeah, that illuminates a lot just because we don't, as normal citizens, totally understand yeah. right. what all goes into somebody coming to the hospital. I think we can we can oversimplify what all that requires, you know. Right. And so right. with that in mind, um, as far as citizens and our responsibility go, where have you seen us maybe go too far? Where would you say we've sure. done enough? 
Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the thing is, uh, kind of really early on, I saw um, an editorial, I think it's by David Brooks, uh, who is kind of a moderate conservative, and just talking about how uh, it, you know, he was looking back in, uh, you know, just the time period of the Spanish flu. And you look at that time period, and um, and I don't know if this is true, but uh, he, he's pretty reliable. And um, you know, he was just saying when you look at the writing during that time period, you don't you don't see a lot of description of what um, what people went through after um, after the social distancing and all these things took hold. And, and what he was suggesting was that it really changed people. You know, like mm-hmm. it had a, a real psychological, spiritual impact that people got used to not talking to one another, uh, not being around one another. Now, obviously, this is not what we were created to be. Uh, this is not the way it's supposed to be, uh, the impact of sin and fall. And to be aware of that, especially as educators and parents of young children, just thinking about um, whether you feel like it's alarmist or not, or however you fall into that, obviously, this is not um, and how we can approach that, how to, on one hand, help our children and ourselves understand how do we love our neighbor well, um, in which maybe we won't be as impacted, but to keep our elderly and our immunocompromised safe. But on the other, to know that our hope is not um, in that and instill strength and hope and um, to know that the Lord is on our side, um, that we can make our... our uh, children, help our children know that they can have the confidence uh, that uh, that we are safe um, in the sense of uh, the Lord is fighting for us. And, and even obviously thinking about Easter um, approaching, you know, that our, our King is one that is not dead in the grave, but has resurrected. And we can have real uh, hope and, and, uh, and promise in that. Uh, Leo, thank you for that, and thank, thanks for the encouragement. And um, as you, I guess, um, I want to I want to be cognizant of your time and um, amidst this. But could you just give us one word or two of just how would you how would you just tell parents to um, be during this time as they receive all these different new, news reports. Um, you'd mentioned just leaning on the Lord, and I, I absolutely love that. Um, but even even just encouragement of their children. I asked Maria that earlier, but how would you how would you encourage your your own kids, and how would you encourage parents as they communicate with their kids um, just about the overwhelming nature of this entire societal shift that we've we've undertaken the past couple of weeks? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, you know, and, and I will speak uh, to myself on this you know, at the same time is to to, to don't waste the um, the context and, and thing that we have right now. You know, um, we can use this for for the good. You know, um, use the opportunity, and, and I get especially if you have young children and you're in an enclosed environment, very very challenging and difficult, but uh, show grace to yourself uh, and to your spouse and to your children um, and, and, and use what you can, you know, use your time, you know, um, mom and dads who may not typically be at home uh, are at home. Uh, try to find time, you know, lunch or dinner to, to really have focused time um, with your children. Um, we are just, uh, 
going over uh, the book of Philippians, you know, with our with our community group. And there we are struck by some similarities that we might not otherwise pick up on, you know, and mm. Paul talks about being in prison and longing to, to be with uh, his people. All of a sudden it, it takes a different filter and lens, you know, as we now can identify with, yeah, you know, we actually can't just go out and, and meet with our people um, and, uh, and, and long for that, but to take advantage of that, spend time with your children, try to do times we can read scripture, pray for one another, um, pray for the world, you know, instead of just seeing things through our own families, but be thinking of ways that um, we can love our neighbor and pray for our, for our world, pray for our country, pray for our healthcare workers. Uh, would really encourage everyone on, on that front. Uh, thank you, Leo. And um, yeah, yeah, it's very it's very hopeful, and it's it's also a nice reminder to to be with our loved ones uh, and to, to be present in the moment. So, uh, Leo, thank you. Thanks for your time today. Uh, yeah, of course. Th- thanks for joining us, and, and we, we appreciate it greatly. Just wrapping up, families, uh, our encouragement, uh, just as Leo was saying, you know, uh, do take advantage of this time. Take advantage um, of it uh, with the new movies that are coming out and being released early or uh, going outside and playing or doing whatever you can do. But, uh Take advantage of the time and don't let the time take advantage of you. Make sure that you're you're not falling into those holes of to-do-ness, which is something that I am, am guilty of. And I would also just encourage patience. We all need it. I need it with my family. Uh, I need it with, with my coworkers. But I also need it um, just in the amount of things that are that are coming at me right now. And so we're, we're all at a place, I think, right now of humility and hopefully we can keep it in humility and not humiliation. Yeah, I love Leah's point about just having grace for yourself. You know, um, we've never been, none of us have ever lived through a pandemic before. And so I am reminding myself of that when I'm short with my kids or I'm frustrated or tired. Um, I think that's really been helpful for me that, you know, we're all trying to figure this out and, and we haven't done this before. So there's grace. There's always grace. Uh, And there's grace even now. Amen. Amen. Well, KDS families, we look forward to getting back with you guys. Um, I know I say that each week, but but we do, and we miss you guys. But for the moment, um, feel free to reach out to us at any point. We're we're ready and willing to, to assist and help. But thank you guys, as always, for listening, and we can't wait to see you soon.